with Style is brought to you by Northern Brewer with fast shipping, expert advice, and all the ingredients and equipment you need to make the best beer possible. Visit them today at northernbrewer.com. This is the Brewing Network's Brewing with Style, hosted by Jamil Zanishev and Mike Tasty McDole, along with special guest Jonathan Plise. Now, here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. <laughs> Wait a minute, something's not right here. <laughs> is that how he does it, though? Is yeah, that's pretty much like it. It's close Leaves to me that. me kind of hanging there, like, uh, hello. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do after that. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to keep talking, isn't he? Yeah, none yeah. of that intro is correct. It's not hosted by Jamil Zanishev tonight. Well, uh, we do not have special guest John, John Plisse. That's true. Uh, we do have Tasty. <laughs> that is true. Um, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, I'm Justin Crosley. I'm filling in for uh, Jamil Zanishev today. Uh, he got sick after GABF, I guess. Which uh, Who wasn't? is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Jamil, that's called a hangover. Yeah, it's called liver transplant. Yeah, get over it. Come on, get... Uh, and then filling in for John Plisse today is uh, our own Dr. Scott. Howdy, hi. Yeah, thanks for being on the show with us. No Scott. problem. Well, I didn't want to cancel the show because we've got a great thing happening at the Hop Grenade tonight where we're pouring some of uh, listener Pro-Am beers, uh, some Great American Beer Festival uh, Pro-Am beers. And I thought we got, the, we got them coming into the show. Uh, we've got their beers on tap here at the Grenade. The show must go on. So with me today also is Jeremy Pendry, uh, a Doe's member, right, Jeremy? That's right. And Jeremy brewed a beer, a Schwartz beer, as a matter of fact, uh, with Christian Kazakoff from Iron Springs. Welcome, Christian. Hello, hello. We haven't had Christian on the show in a bit. So in a little while. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. Uh, Christian is up at Iron Springs Brewery, and uh, so we've got them in here today with our style uh, Schwartz beer, of course. And Tasty, who better person to come help out than Doc when it's a lager, right? Well, and a Schwartz beer. He does a lot of Schwartz beers. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite styles. Excellent. So today's show uh, will be a little bit different than normal in the sense that you don't have to hear Jamil ramble on. You have to hear me ramble on instead. Um, but we're gonna, I want to talk a little bit about what the uh, Pro-Am competition is at the Great American Beer Festival and um, maybe hear a little bit about your experience. Jeremy, did you get to go to the, the Beer Fest? I did. You did? Excellent. Is it your first year going to the Great American Beer Fest? It was. Um, I'd Wanted to get out there before, but hadn't had the chance. So okay. it was great to do it this year. Yeah, it, it's a fun event. And the Pro-Am competition is something that they've been doing for, I want to say something like five years now. Eight years. Is it really eight years now? That's excellent. Uh, and what they do is they take, uh, first of all, you have to be an American Homebrewers Association member, uh, which every one of us in this room, I, I think, is. Okay. And then you have to have won um, a, 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 some medal in a competition, uh, an AHA-certified competition um and and once you meet those two criteria if you team up with a professional brewer they brew your beer and you can enter into the pro-am competition and it's always one of the most exciting things they do at the gabf for me because uh, i love both pro brewers and home brewers so it's cool to see um so jeremy how did you get linked up with christian to do it this year uh so i did it the old-fashioned way uh christian and i went to high school together <laughs> um, perfect um, but basically, um, we had reconnected a few years ago over beer, um, and I would brewed with him at his pub just to get the opportunity to do that. And then later, he came and brewed at my home and tried some of the beers I had on tap and thought, hey, these are not bad. Um, you should enter some of these in competitions and see how you do. And if you get one that does really well, 
um, well, let's brew it as a, as a pro-am. And nice. so that's how it happened. Okay. And then ultimately I entered this, uh, the Schwarz beer in the uh, Alameda County Fair and it won uh, Best Lager. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, which is, it's hard to make a, a, an amazing lager for one. And then in, and to win in a competition, now Christian knows, all right, I'll let you in the brewery. Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> would be bona fide, huh? Yeah. Now, uh, this is a post-GABF show, so we know that unfortunately... You guys didn't win this year, though, did you? We didn't. No. There were 91 entries. It's a big, it's a big <laughs> category now, isn't it? In fact, it's one of the biggest categories at the festival. So yeah, that's it's unfortunate. Than most of them, yeah. now, a lot of competition. Yeah. There is. And we've been rooting for a local home brewer or a BN listener every year since it began. And I don't think that one of us has gotten it yet. But a local home brewer did win. It was uh, Heels, uh, Bear Republic in a, ah, that's right. a Healdsburg. Up north from us a little bit in Healdsburg. Yeah. Uh, that's right. This year. And, and won the gold medal that's right. with Bear Republic. Um, That's Michael Kelly. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that was good to see. Do you know him, Tasty? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, good friend. You've mm-hmm. seen him around. Tasty is currently hanging out with him. You know, there's more than one Tasty. <laughs> he's sort of, he's yeah. sort of a double ganger. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, so Jeremy, you, you, you won the competition, the county fair, and you go to Christian and you say, all right, I did it. What do you think about this recipe? And Christian, how did you react to a, a brewing a Schwartz beer? I was, well, I've done Schwartz beers in the past at Iron Springs. And it was about that time to brew one again. So it just happened to be perfect timing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, how long ago was the, the beer brewed? It was uh, late June. It was, it was no, like no. right when you got back from Spain. <laughs> yeah. So I get back from Spain at midnight on July 26th. Or, I, or July, and, I mean. Yeah. And I'm an hour away from the brewery, and I have to, I have to be there at like 7.30 in the morning on July 27th. Wow. Um, but so, yeah, we brewed it. I think it was July 27th because I got back from Spain July 26th. Okay. There's, there's more criteria involved when making the Pro-Am beers that it has to be commercially available by oh. a certain date in August. Oh, right. I see. Yeah. I, I think see. it was like the 27th of August or something. So he, he would not give me any uh, jet lag time. <laughs> no leeway. Well, they don't want, yeah, they don't want you to sneak it in, I guess. That kind of makes sense. They're yeah. trying to keep the competition legit. Sure. All right. Well, before we go too far into the process and what you guys did, we should probably learn about what a Schwartz beer is, uh, which is what Brewing with Style is all about. Talking about the style and then giving you some commercial examples, which we've got for you tonight. And uh, we're also going to talk to a home brewer about uh, his Schwartz beer. So Tasty, uh, taking the place of John Plissé tonight. Yeah, that's right. In this category. (laughs) What's a Schwartz beer? Well, it's a pretty light little beer, it turns out to be. It's... uh the aroma is uh, low, low to moderate uh, malt aroma. Um, you know, slight maybe a slight sweetness or hints of uh, roast in the in the nose. Uh, appearance is usually obviously you know obviously very uh, medium to very dark, and uh, typically they're they're all pretty almost black. Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit lighter and be almost uh, has some ruby character. I've seen something like that. They're perfectly legitimate. I guess it's in some worlds that's a black beer. Uh, same thing on flavor, pretty light, you know, pretty light malt character. Depends a lot of times on what you hop it. Uh, some of that more will come through. Uh, certainly no room for any sort of uh, DMS or, or uh, diacetyl. Uh, this is a true lager, and it uh, can't have any of that character and uh, should have imperceivable uh, sulfur character as well. Uh, it's medium to light body. Uh, typically, you know, moderate to pretty moderate carbonation. It's not going to be a real spritzy beer, nor is it going to be uh, too soft. Um, let's see. 
Let's see. It's pretty much. It's uh, pretty much. You know, it's the main. The typical ingredients would be uh, a good percentage of Pilsner malt and an equally, you know, pretty almost equal or something between that 40, 60, 60, 40 kind of thing on uh, Pilsner malt. So Munich and Pilsner pretty much make up the base uh, for that kind of beer. Uh, tip, the OG goes from 46. This is the BJCB guideline, by the way. Oh, starting of gravity would be 46 to 52. That would finish at something typically 10 to 16. Uh, IBUs 22 to 32. You know, pretty low for the for those gra- for those gravities. And color is uh, 17 to 30. And I imagine typically they're much they're 25 to 30, but 17 is that ruby red one for sure. And there's your stock on that. I like this beer. And hearing Tasty describe it just makes it sound even better. <laughs> the, silky, the silky tones of Tasty. Uh, how many people in this room uh, have brewed a Schwartz beer before? We, are, we know Jeremy. Everybody except for Moskowitz. I brewed my fir- it's The first lager I ever brewed was a Schwartz beer, and I did it just this year. I would love to brew the style, but I don't yet have the ability to lager. The temperature control yeah. to, to lager. I've always had it. I just was afraid to do it, thinking that it was much more difficult to do a lager. And that's something maybe I want to talk to Christian about in the next segment, too, because in the end, if you do have proper temperature, temperature control, it really wasn't much more difficult. Um, but I was, just, I was always just, I'm worried that there's going to be things left behind. Tasty, you mentioned in the style guidelines that there's uh, no room for DMS, which isn't really a fermentation thing, but uh, diacetyl either. And that was really something I was afraid of, of getting in my beer. Um, so maybe we can talk about that when we come back, how you make sure that, because it should still be a nice clean lager, right? Yes, I mean, even though absolutely. it's a dark beer. Yep. Yeah, very clean. Uh, you can uh, brew it as an ale if you used it in like a calcommon yeast or something like that. That doesn't put off a lot of esters at ale temperatures. Okay. But it is about the esters. You want it to be no ester character whatsoever, like a true lager. So you may do it as an ale, but just, uh, even in a even a calcommon has some ester character to it because it's uh, typically a warmer ferment. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we take a break? Before we do that, just real quick, I want to thank our sponsor of this program and, and every uh, brewing with style that Jamil does, and that's Northern Brewer. You can go to northernbrewer.com anytime and check them out, and they'll help you out with uh, all your ingredients needs, your equipment needs. They're good to us, and, and they're good to you, and they bring you the show so that you don't have to pay for it. And uh, we want to thank them. Uh, Northern Brewer, you can go to northernbrewer.com. All right. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll taste our commercial examples, including Jeremy and Christian's beer. We'll be right back. You're listening to Brewing with Style on the Brewing Network. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. No, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to Arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, 
I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the Home Brewer. I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Now back to Jamil, Tasty, and Blise. It's Brewing with Style. Well, today it's Justin, Tasty, and Doc, and we've overrun this show. Uh, we've taken we over. I mean, we probably should hold back a little bit and not do too yeah, good of a job. Yeah, we don't want to overpower it. Do yeah, we? or you feel or we don't want the fans to uh, yeah, ask just, for us back every exactly. week. You know, yeah, or just boycott until we are back. <laughs> so we should be careful. All right, thanks for sticking with us through the break. Before we move on, I just wanted to let you know about the American Homebrewers Association. You know, the only reason we have this pro am topic is actually because of the American Homebrewers Association. That's how Jeremy was able to compete in the pro am, and they're just awesome to us. They're they're it's a good group of people that are fighting for the rights of homebrewers. Uh, that's, of course, the, the rebel side. But they also uh, just do good things for homebrew in general. There are homebrew rallies uh, around the country. There's Teach a Friend to Homebrew Day. Um, you know, more importantly, uh, if you're looking just to enhance your knowledge of homebrew, you can get Zymergy Magazine, uh, you know, 
uh, all through the year just by becoming a member. And it's pretty cheap uh, for what you get. So you can go to our website, thebrewingnetwork.com, click the AHA logo. And when you do, you can go sign up. You can renew your membership through us, and we get a little piece of the action, too. It's just a nice way to uh, support the show and support the AHA. So become an AHA member, and don't forget about the pub discount program, which we have right here at the Hop Grenade. I think you get 10% off or something. So you mean I've been deal. paying full price the whole time? Yeah, man. you got to flash that card. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's get on with it. We're talking about Schwartz beer today. And uh, this is a – I like this style. I'm a lager guy, actually, in general. I like I like pale ales and I like lagers. It's almost always what I'm grabbing off of the menu. And Schwartz beer, to me, is, a, is, is just a great one because it tends to have a little more to it than just a Pilsner or a Helles, for example. Um, and I want to start with the commercial example that we brought in uh, from uh, – it's Kohlstritzer, not yeah. the not the Aaron Springs. Let's start with the Kohlstritzer, which is – isn't it listed in the BJCP guideline yeah, as definitely. as an example? Mm-hmm. It is probably the easiest one to get. Yeah. I don't think I've even seen any of the other ones that they right. list. First not one, around here anyway. It's the first one listed. So. so let's preface this with the standard, uh, you know, it's been shipped across the ocean. We don't know how old it is. There are, uh, there, there no, are some it, flaws. It says here it's uh, – there we go. Good till four of uh, 2015. Is that right? Yeah. So I well, would disagree. Another well, six months is going to be it's, it's done. Actually, oh. it's probably good until then if it was treated properly from, yeah. from yeah, point A to point so. B. If it wasn't um, treated like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Which, of course, uh, you know, for those of you listening who don't know, is, is keeping your beer cold uh, all the time. Not uh, mostly, also not fluctuating temperatures all through the journey and, and things like that. Uh, so that being said, it's got those usual flaws, right? I believe we all picked up what uh, a little cardboard, mm-hmm. absolutely, which is what oxidation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's got a little bit of that sort of uh, sweet caramel that can come with oxidation. Um, definitely some of that cardboard, papery kind of taste. Yeah, some sherry notes, uh, it, especially in the aroma. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and the hop character is very low, which is um, yeah. not the way it should be. So those are some of the ones I wanted to talk about because I wanted to ask you guys that. Uh, yeah, one thing I noticed. Um, especially in comparison to yours, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment, is a very, very low hop character, right? I mean, it's almost non-existent, it feels like. That's right. And so is that not by design, you think, from, from Kohlstrasser, that's that it's dropped out over time? or That would be my guess. I haven't had it fresh uh, in Germany, but um, okay. that would be my guess. They, maybe they did start on the lower end, though, at the, yeah. of the 22 rather than the 32, and it's now just tastes a bit below that. Yeah, it's supposed to be barely perceptible okay. anyway. Okay. Yeah, but it's all going to depend on the malt bill, too. I see. But, yeah, it's non-existent in this one. It is. It's certainly barely perceptible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I mention a couple of other local um, examples that might be good for people to try? Sure. Yeah, so there's the Uinta um, Baba. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the full name, but it's a, uh, a black lager from Utah. Yep. Um, 4% alcohol because of their restrictions they've got there in, in Utah. But that's a fantastic okay. um, example. And also, um, the Full Sail has that uh, Black Session lager. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's a Schwartz beer, basically. Yeah, basically. Okay. I would call that one um, on the lower uh, perspective, too, of, of both roastiness and IBUs, right? It's, it's very mild. That's true. That could be more of the sort of dark American lager category, but um, it's, it's among the kind of examples you can get in, on the West Coast. That's, a pretty, that's as close as you're going to get. And at least it's fresh, then, that's uh, right. as it should be. From Oregon, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I even read somewhere that uh, Sapporo Dark is even a sports beer. Hmm. Okay. So then the other th- thing I wanted to ask, and I wondered if it was uh, age or travel or, or part of the style, is 
very thin mouthfeel on the culture. That's what I was picking up. Really, Did you get really the, thin body. I mean, almost, I don't want to use the word watery, but it, it's just incredibly thin and, and really disappears off the palate. Is that something to, can, that can be to style, or, or is that age as well? My understanding is that can be to style. Um, okay. I, maybe not. I don't know if it's more thin in the way we're tasting it than it should be, but um, the traditional Schwarzbier, I think, is a little bit more toward the black sort of Pilsner. Um, and less mouthfeel than you'd have in a porter or stout that's sort of a lager version of those beers. Okay. So that it, it might be um, more typical to have a lighter mouthfeel than and particularly the version that Christian and I brew. Okay. All right. Which would all, I, I think would explain why that the, the hops are pretty, are, are, aren't perceptible because it's just so light bodied. I see. You know, if you put, I think a lot of, you know, if you put a lot of hops in that, that's just going to really overpower, the, yeah, overpower you, that beer. You really don't want it to be as hop forward as a Pilsner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just want to more like just like a German lager, mm-hmm. uh, which is not as hop forward as a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what are the couple of things that we do as brewers to make a very light body? Uh, what are the malt additions or, or lack of malt and, and the temperatures that we might mash at to, to make a light bodied beer? So, so my, my, well, go ahead, Doc. Or just lower temperatures, mm-hmm. uh, low 40s if you can do it, uh, longer, longer mash. It's going to be more fermentable. It's okay. going to get down into the, it takes you to saying, you know, 10, 10 to 10, 16, uh, around in there. You're going to get it lighter. This is probably, I would say, with this light of body, it's probably around the 10, 10, 10, 11. Okay. Jeremy? The other thing you could do is you could use the lighter grist, more Pilsner malt, and a, just a tiny bit of uh, Carafa 2 or something to get color. Okay. But basically stick with Pilsner malt rather than using, like, an, as we'll talk about in a little bit in, in our beer, we used a little bit more Munich. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the other commercial example, which is fresh and is wonderful. And not that the Kohlstritzer uh, isn't, but the Iron Springs beer. Uh, what's it called, Jeremy? Uh, North Peak Black Lager. Okay. Now, this one is, uh, I'm going to use the word rich, but I don't mean that it's either sweet or heavily bodied or anything like that. But in flavor, it's just so rich. Uh, it's wonderful. So, like any... Um Home brewer worth his salt. Uh, when I first uh, looked for a recipe, I started with brewing classic styles. Okay, yeah. And I know you did that for your for uh, mine, yeah. Brewcaster challenge. Um, so the, the recipe that Jamil has in in his book is quite a rich beer compared to a typical Schwarz beer. Um, I actually dialed it down a bit from there. Okay, and used a little bit less Munich than is called for in the recipe, uh, and tried to keep it in a, a little bit more medium bodied range, um, but. Uh, still turns out to be a pretty rich tasting yeah. beer. Yeah. So when I used his recipe, uh, I used it from an article that he wrote in, I think it was BYO. His same recipe that's in Classic Styles. But in BYO, he put in two recipes. And one was a clone for, for Kohlstritzer, and one was the recipe you're talking about, which, right. which I ended up brewing. Now, I originally wanted to brew the Kohlstritzer because I thought, well, if I'm doing a Schwartz beer, why wouldn't you do the, the example, right? He steered me away from that saying that this recipe, uh, the, the other one, does much better in competitions. And the reason being, it stands out. There's something to talk about. There's more of that richness. There's more. Uh, but I was terrified that it would be too roasty. And I didn't find that in mine, nor do I find it in yours. I think that's right. I think if I, you know, if I did this beer um, multiple times again and just wanted to have it on tap at my house to drink, I might dial down the roast a bit. Okay. I might even dial down the Munich a bit more just to make it um, not quite to the Coast Rister side of things, but yeah. uh, somewhere in the middle. 
Okay. So it's a bit more drinkable, but still has that richness. Um, but definitely for competition, um, the recipe that Jamil has and, and even the sort of dialed down version that, that I used um, stands out. It really does. Chocolate, just a little bit, not too much. Uh, it's still very lager-like, though, isn't it, Doc? Yeah, it's clean. Uh, it's You wouldn't want to say light. It's more of a crispness to it that you get with a lager. Yeah. Very, very cleanly brewed. What Doc, did this finish at? Holy. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I just want, before we find out what it finished at, Doc, I want you to read the left side of my notes. What does it say? Doc can't read like me. Lager character. What else? Roast <laughs> and? and clean. Thank you. <laughs> Moscow got it. Anyway, go on with You've the... been on the show for over a year now. You should be getting this. <laughs> Thank it's good. you. Yeah. yeah. I wrote it just now really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what did this finish at? Uh, the, the ABV is 5.7, five, five, so what, it's a little it? on the big side, but it finished down to 10.12. Okay. All right. How do you feel about this one, Christian? You said you've done Schwartz beer before, so... Yeah. Um, the, the, only, the only really difference in this beer uh, compared to the one uh, that I usually make, which is the Dark Path Black Lager, it's, um, this has a, you know, obviously a lot more Munich uh, malt in it. Okay. And um, I put uh, a lot of carafa in it and a little less roast. I see. Yeah. What, what does the Munich malt add? Why are we putting Munich in there? Well, I, it's giving it that... It's giving that that body a little bit. It's okay. giving it that that richness that you're talking about. Okay, you know, Arom- and the and aromas giving some that aroma. Mm-hmm. It gives it gives it kind of a maltiness without the sweetness. Yes. Okay, yeah, it would almost caramely, but not in a in a, a caramel malt kind of right. kind of thing. Okay, or a bready thing. I I dial mine way back too. I'm not a malt. I'm not a Munich malt fan at all, and it's got to be in there. And so I dial it down maybe twenty percent. Okay, I just I, I get it in there, but it just I don't like that backbone of, of Munich at all. So if twenty percent Munich malt is sort of moderate to low, what it's would low. what would high be in a, in a, 40, in a beer 40%. like this? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think in this beer we ended up in that range. Oh, you uh, did? Okay. So in Jamel's original recipe, it's actually higher in Munich than Pilsner malt. Yeah, yeah. it's like sixty-four. But I think I think ah. we went down to sort of even okay. between Pilsner and Munich. Okay. The, and then the carafa, is that what you mentioned, uh, Christian? Carafa, and uh, there was chocolate and um, roasted barley. Okay. And is it the chocolate and, and roasted barley that gives it the color, not the carafa? Or carafa adds a bit of that, too? Carafa definitely adds yeah, that. is pretty high low. Yeah. It is. Okay. Carafa adds the color without adding um, astringency or, or roast kind of flavor. Okay. Well, why don't we talk about the recipe, and then we can kind of go through how to how we'd make a, a good Schwartz beer. So read us yours, Jeremy. Okay, so this is the homebrew version, which uh, the percentage is translated over to, to uh, Iron Springs um, system, but uh, there were some changes based on uh, the hops were a little different. Okay. Um, and the yeast, I think we're not sure <laughs> the origin of the yeast that uh, Iron Springs uses versus the, the strain I use. But um, in the homebrew version... We went 44%, roughly, like uh, 44% Munich and 44% Pilsner, so even on that. And then about a 3.5% of uh, Crystal 40 uh, chocolate malt, and then 2% Carafa 2 and just under 2% of a little bit of black barley um, mashed in at 153 and ended up using uh, Tetninger hops, uh, 1.5 ounces at 4.6% alpha acid uh, at 60 minutes and half an ounce at 20 minutes and uh, half an ounce at flame out. 
So we pretty much have to use German hops in, in this style, right? It should be noble hops. Yeah, okay. All right. Mash temperature of 153. I was thinking, I thought maybe we were going for 148 or something, or, or even lower on a beer like this. So, so the, the story on this one is, one of my favorite beers is uh, Moonlight. Bony Fingers. I don't know if you've had that beer, but it's a yeah. it's a black lager that they do this time of year. They do it for Halloween every year. It's a little bit fuller-bodied version than the Death and Taxes beer that they do year-round. Okay. And so I was shooting a little bit for that. So I, I was hoping to get a little bit of the bigger body, a little bit bigger flavor. Yeah. Um, so I kept the, the mash temp up to sort of add that fullness a little bit. Okay. It's, not, it's certainly a... a, a it might be on the high end of fullness and hopping and all of that on the traditional Schwarzbier scale, but um, it's more what I was shooting for. Okay. Maybe this is a good time to ask what it's like when, when a home brewer comes into the pro brewery, Christian, and, <laughs> and something like this comes up. Does, you know, do you look at the recipe or, or look at the mash temp and go, well, you know, if, if I were doing it on my own, I, I'd, I'd really go... You, not really. I, okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to give uh, Jeremy pretty much the free reign on this. I mean, I... I we we collaborated a little bit on the ingredients. Like I I don't get crystal forty. I I think I used a little. It was the C forty five, and it was a little bit less than okay. what was in his recipe. And then um, the mash temperature. Yeah, we we pretty much nailed every all the specs on 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 his uh, on his homebrew recipe. Awesome. Um, but my mash efficiency is is a little. I think a little. It's still a little bit bigger. A um, little more efficient than than what Jeremy's going going for. Okay. Um, so I was going on based on the percentages, and we still came up a lot higher than what we were really that, shooting for. That's why the alcohol's up there. Yeah, alcohol's a yep. little high up, high up from that. Okay. And then with the noble hops, sometimes I'll talk to German brewers, like even Dan Gordon when we we talked about his pilsner. Uh, he just said use them all. He didn't really care. He just said use all noble hops. Is that so? Is it pretty interchangeable in a beer like this? That as long as they're the noble hops, if for so if you can't get the tetanang, you can use you know. Uh, or, or, yeah, that's what we we. I don't have tetanang in yeah. house, so I was using Hollertau Middlefork. Okay, got it. I was looking for Hollertau because uh, that's what was in Jamil's, and I think I ended up using the tetanang. I sort of just went the reverse, but. I don't know that anybody then tastes a Schwartz beer and goes, oh, well, you didn't use Hollertau. <laughs> you know, or you can kind of tell. You can? Too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, remember, remember you called me after the fact? And, and I you had some, I have a whole yeah. refrigerator full. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm hoarding it. Okay. I think it's still to, to style, though, right? If you're using yeah. no, Tetanang yeah. or, or Hollertau, sure. or yeah. as long as it's a noble hop from Germany, yeah. you're probably fine. Okay. And then your beer certainly has some hop character, as opposed to what we mentioned in the first one. It's certainly not bitter, and it's not a pilsner, uh, but it, you can really taste the hop character. It, yeah. com- it comes out in the beer. It finishes, helps it finish crisp. Uh, I was asking you guys at the break whether you messed with the water some. and Burtonize it a little bit. And I, yeah. you can tell because it, it, it's, it's done right. It's not minerally. Mm-hmm. You can tell something's been done to it. Uh, it makes it a little sharper. And that the water affects the hops directly. Yeah, it's, and that's why I asked what the IBUs were. Okay. Because even you're saying that they are low, they don't taste low mm-hmm. because because of the sulfur in there. The salt and it just it it just makes them pop more. Okay. So and what is it to Burtonize water? Just for those who don't know, a quick rundown. A calcium yeah. carbonate. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And that's what you want to use here is the calcium carbonate because. Keep the pH, you know, mm-hmm. up so it doesn't go so low like it typically would mm-hmm. with dark beers. Okay. Well, I love this beer, and I wish it won. 
<laughs> I was upset that we, you know, we had four beers from from our little cadre of yeah. uh, East Bears here, and none of them placed. But that was uh, yeah. I was rooting for them all. You know, I tell you, I went up there and I I tried JP's beer um, at the booth and at the festival, and I thought, damn. <laughs> That's a pretty damn good beer. Yeah. Well, we're, so we're pouring JP's. We're, we're pouring Nathan's, uh, which he brewed with Drake's. We're, we're pouring yours. And we're pouring Eric Beer's, which he, he brewed with Black Diamond. Mm-hmm. So we do have them all. We're excited to have them all, too. But, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I'm rooting for all you guys as well. So let's talk fermentation a little bit. Because now this is the part where I was terrified uh, to do a lager. I just felt like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Just because you don't have all the equipment? Um, no. I, so I've had no, the equipment No, you have for the equipment. Yeah, I have it. <laughs> I guess I just thought well, maybe I'm supposed to do four different temperatures, and I'm supposed to rise it here and lower it there. And So can you walk me through your fermentation profile? Sure. Before I do that, though, I want to mention, for based on the recipe I, I tossed out there, uh, that's for a five and a half gallon batch. Okay, and that uh, started at ten fifty one and ended up at ten thirteen, maybe ten twelve. I'm looking at my notes in there, a photocopy, but I think it's ten thirteen. So that was on the homebrew version. The, the commercial version started at ten fifty seven, I think, and ended up at ten twelve. A little bit bigger beer. Okay, so putting that aside, the uh, fermentation was at uh, fifty. Let's see. It looks like it was at 50 degrees. Okay. And I let that go down to 1020 and then raise it to 52 to give it a little push toward dryness at the end. Okay. And then eventually did a diacetyl rest up to 60 degrees. Okay. And, and that, that's all based on when you, when you change the temperatures, that's based on, on gravity, right? You're not saying, oh, in four days I'm going to raise the temperature. You're going to take a sample. Right. You're going to measure the gravity. And you're going to make sure it's where you want it to be before you raise the temperature. It's also based on taste. Um, okay. the, the other main thing I'm doing, especially with lagers, is looking for the – when I open the – I've got a fridge that has a temperature controller on it. And when I open that fridge, if I'm smelling sulfur, if I'm smelling uh, any other kind of flavor that I don't want in the beer, I let it go. Because it's still really working hard Because at it's that point. Pu- well, it's pushing those aromas out. Okay. So as long as I'm still smelling sulfur, I'll let it push that out. That's a great, easy technique. Right. And just okay. and once, it's, once it smells clean, when I open that fridge and I don't smell that sulfur, I don't smell uh, any kind of off flavors, then I'll take a taste. And if it, it feels, if it tastes like it's pretty much done, um, then I'll start raising it a little bit to just let the yeast finish what it's doing. Okay. I raised a couple degrees. This is just my technique on lagers. I don't know if it's has yeah. any basis no, that's in okay. anything. But, yeah. So I'll let it go for, I'll, I'll raise it a couple degrees first and just give it a bump to get the yeast going and let it finish out. And then I'll do a diastole rest after that. Okay. After and a couple of days like that. Just a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of days. That, so I go from 50 to 52 maybe for a couple of days after it feels like it's pretty clean and close to terminal gravity. And then at the end, I'll raise to 60 to maybe even a little higher to do a diastole rest for two to three days. Are you losing any more gravity points in a diacetyl rest, or it's really just a taste profile flavor? Yeah, it's mostly I'm not, and it's probably just paranoia. I'm probably not. <laughs> It's probably not even necessary. Once it tastes fine, it's pretty much good to go. And I yeah. know that's something that Jamil preaches as well. But um, I did it as well because of yeah, Jamil. I, yeah. just, I do the diacetyl rest just to, to make sure. Okay. It doesn't hurt it to leave it on there for a few more days at sure. a higher temperature once it's already at that point of the gravity. Okay. Christian, how'd it go in the brew house? About it, went, the same? it went great. We fermented it at 51. And then I did a similar thing where I just let it free rise after it got down to about you know, 10, 15, 10, 14. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because that's something that I was always worried about, the, the free rise thing. But in talking to Jamil and Tasty and Doc, after those first few days of fermentation, after you get down, you said, what, 10, 15, mm-hmm. 
that you're not going to really develop off flavors anymore. No. So you so a free rise is to just allow the yeast to keep working and it generates heat as it does that. You let it go up just as high as it wants to go, mm-hmm. basically. Then, mm-hmm. and you do that why? Uh, that it's also part of. I wanted I wanted to get it up to temp so it can go in through its diacetyl rest. Okay, and then I'm scrubbing sulfur out of it as well. Got it. So the yeast really just kind of cleaning up after mm-hmm. itself and and doing its thing. Yeah. Uh, in a commercial brewery, how long is that process uh, on average? We've lagered this beer, or we from from uh, brew day to, to to putting it out. It was it was about four and a half weeks. Okay. But the fermentation parts, what probably only the first a, week. That was maybe even. a week. Okay, but, but it, wasn't, I, it wasn't very long. I have to say that um, when it came out in four and a half weeks, um, and Tasty can attest to this as when we first tasted it um, at our homebrew club meeting, it was a little bit more ale like at that point in the process. Okay, and um, by the time we had it on, you know, on tap in local area tap houses, it was a much uh, cleaner beer a few weeks after that. Okay. Which is really the beauty of, of lagering, right. and that's why it's a lager, right? So right. the longer you can... So I have, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe two gallons of my Schwarzbier in my kegerator that I've just... It's been cold and forgotten about. I'm curious if I've now gone too far or if it's going to be amazing because I just left it alone. Because uh, it, it did get better and better. Like after, the, after I lost the competition against Nathan Smith, <laughs> it did get uh, better and better. And I do – there's a point of diminishing returns, right? Like at some That's point right. my hops are going to drop out. And I have to say I entered this and uh, when Christian said, well, if you win a, an award, we can brew this on the commercial scale. I entered it in every competition I could find. Yeah, yeah. And um, by the time I got to, I don't know, the fifth one, a few months down the line, it wasn't scoring as high. It stopped winning. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking of scores, will you get score sheets back from the JBF and the yes. Pro-Am? Usually it takes two to three weeks okay. for those to come back. Oh, that's cool, but they give you the, mm-hmm. the full sheet on this one, too. All right. As a board member, you couldn't have called ahead to <laughs> maybe get those? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can help. All right. Well, why don't we do this? We'll, we'll take a break, and we can talk more about this one. Plus, we've got a, a listener beer to try, which is also a Schwartz beer. So uh, you're listening to Brewing with Style. I'm uh, Justin Crosley, not Jamel Zanishev, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Brewing with Style on the Brewing Network. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arpanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. 
Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Now back to Brewing with Style. All right. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for sticking with us. We're sorry that Jamil's not here for you today. Uh, I'm filling in. It's Justin. Uh, but we got a great cast helping you uh, learn about Schwartz beers. Uh, if you want to learn about brewing beer, uh, you should know about America's oldest brewing school. That's the Siebel Institute of Technology. I, I know you've heard us talk about it before, but we just kind of uh, we encourage people to go learn about beer so we can stop drinking bad beer. Uh, they've got more courses than any other brewing school. Uh, courses include even the advanced home brewing uh, course. You can do that one. Uh, craft distilling and beer styles courses for those looking to ace beer knowledge exams. You know, uh, things like the BJCP. Um, so it can help you with that as well. Professional level brewing courses are available both campus-based, if you want to do the traditional version, uh, or web-based. So you can really do it at home and keep your day job. Uh, uh, faculty include some of the best-known and most respected instructors in international Brewing. So make sure you go check them out, the Siebel Institute of Technology. It's a great brewing school. A lot of our guests uh, have gone to Siebel, and uh, I think you should too, especially if your beer tastes like mine. <laughs> Try Siebel. What are we doing, Moscow? Uh, let's talk to uh, the uh, listener who was so kind to uh, send us some of his Schwarz beer. This is Brent. Hey, Brent, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, man? Good. Hey, hey Brent. Thanks for being on the show. Not a problem. I'm sorry you didn't get Jamil. I'm oh, handsomer, right. though. <laughs> I have a larger brain. So we've got <laughs> we've got uh, your beer in uh, in our glass. Uh, which my, thank you for sending it, by the way. I appreciate that. It's very no nice. Problem. Of you. Uh, and I'm also looking at your recipe. Tell us a little bit about your Schwartz beer and why you sent it to us. Well, um, I won a few awards with it. And then for some odd reason, I changed up the recipe a little bit before I send it to you guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Don't give us the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, experimental, you know. You know how home brewers are. So you just want the recipe for it? Or? Well, you know, that's good. Yeah, that you, you sent it in. Because what did you want from us? Just to, to give us a good example of a, a listener's Schwartz beer? Did you want some good feedback on it? 
You know, I just saw that you guys were doing Schwartz beer around this time, okay. and I just figured I'd send it out there and see what you guys thought of it. Good. I'm glad you did. All right, so I am looking at your recipe. Um, let me just go down the list here. Uh, you wrote a lot of, you did a lot of water treatment, didn't you? On that one, no, pretty much a carbon block okay. filter, just from the tap water. Um, oh, this is your water report, I see, not what you added. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a water report. I just figured I'd send that in with it. It came out at 5.4 pH, Yeah, so I didn't have to do a whole lot to it. Okay. Uh, Doc, you want the water report quick? So, uh, yeah. So you know what's happening? Yep. Uh, calcium, 49 ppm. Good. Magnesium, 15. Good. Sodium, 17. Uh, chloride, 35 ppm. Sulfate, 117. Right. And bicarbonate, uh, 28 yeah, anything uh, stand out there to you? Well, it depends on if you want it to be a more crisp beer or a softer, rounder beer. Uh, your your uh, sodium and your calcium, or your chloride, so your sodium and your chloride are a little on the low side if you want it to be a rounder, okay, more soft beer. So 17 on that sodium is a little low. Yeah. But, what would you but, do? Uh, well, you got to get the sulfates back down if you're going to do that. You don't want to have high sodium and high sulfates. You're going to get nasty, harsh bitterness. I so yeah, sodium chloride. Yeah. So, but he, if his uh, sulfates are on the high side, okay. But if he's shooting for that and he's trying to for try to get a crisper, sharper beer, okay. Then then we're perfect for this style. You, I mean, would you want to err on the sharp side? I would assume you would. Th- this this style has a has a good range on it. You know, anywhere pushing from like I said with the, with a pilsner, black pilsner to a, almost a dunkel style. Yeah. And if you're pushing for the dunkel end of it. With a lot of Munich and, and you know, caramely Munich malt, you're going to want to try to push the, the the sweeter side of it, which is going to be rounded out with the the uh, sodium and the chloride and keep the sulfates low. Okay. On the other hand, if you're trying to get it more crisp and and kind of more sharp beer, yeah, on the more on the pilsnery kind of side, then you're going to want to do what he did and keep it where it is. So help me with a little perspective: the Iron Springs beer. Would we call that round or sharp? Uh, sharp. Okay. Sharp side. It is on the sharp yeah. side. All right. And it, it, it melds really well. It really does. It's with just enough of the malt character, and you get the sharpness on the end, which kind of really kind of cleans it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it needs to be sharp to uh, account for that medium full body. A little yeah, because you don't really want it to push to the dunkel. Right. You know, you just it, 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 it gets a little too... Um, it's not that kind of beer. I didn't want it lingering. Yeah, you don't want to have it, the sweet, lingering kind of – syrupy is a, is mm-hmm. a bit harsh to say, but uh, it, if you're leaning towards that, so you, you, you don't want to have that. Okay. All right, this is the recipe for a five-gallon batch we got here. Five pounds, eight ounces of Munich, uh, five pounds of Pilsner. So pretty much even you went there, right? Uh, six ounces of uh, Crystal 40. Uh, six ounces of chocolate, uh, three ounces of carafa two, and three ounces of roasted barley, which doesn't sound too far off from yours. No, it? it's pretty very, similar to brewing classic styles. Okay, yeah, uh, I just I kicked it back a little bit to kind of try and bring that roast down a little. Okay, and the uh, the carafa two was actually the special, so it was dehusked. Okay. I think it, I don't think it's overly roasty. I think you brought the roast down. No, the roast. Is I think fine. that part worked. Mm-hmm. Um, Mash temperature of 154, so right around where you were as well, you know, within a, a, degree, a degree or two. Um, looks like... Um, what was the, the terminal gravity? 
It was uh, 1014. Okay. Okay. And I, I think I wrote the uh, the logger down, or the uh, yeast down wrong. I think I put 833. Yeah, that's what you got here. 830. 830? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but that's the yeast I used as well. Is, is that the southern German, it's the 830? A, it, it's a standard German lager yeast. It just says German yeah. lager. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can't remember which brewery it's from. Okay. It's like a standard. Is it? I think it is. Oh, good brewery. <laughs> Love their hell. The yeah, that's oh, not, that, their Hellas. That stops my show right there. Do they do a Schwartz beer? I don't. I don't think they do. But I'd but like I should to. point out that the, the lager yeast that we used may be different from what Christian or the Christian may have used a different one. Than that. Oh, okay, I purloined it from Roger. At back. <laughs> <I think> it, <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> I think okay. it is the eight thirty. Actually, I, I think it is. Do you think it uh, is? Rogers? Yeah. yeah. Do you have a house lager yeast, Christian? No, no. no. You just pull in whatever you do yeah, when you yeah. when you bust out a lager. Yeah. Okay. All right, hops here, uh, one and a half ounces of Hallertau, uh, middle fruit at 60, half an ounce uh, of the same at 15, and half an ounce of the same at one, which that's using the same noble hop all the way through is, is perfectly normal, isn't it? In fact, yeah, and the flame out, or the one minute is just a flame out. That's just the way uh, Beersmith calculates it. Yeah, okay, got it. Um, all right, you want to tell us about your fermentation? Um, pretty much... What I do is I cool it down. I try and get it as close to 65 as I can, and then put it in the fridge overnight, try and get it down around 45, 46 degrees. Okay. Then I pitch the yeast. Then I let it free rise up about 48, let it sit there about a week, and then just bump it up a degree or two every day until it gets up to about 56. Okay. So I don't know if I really need to do acid rest on that or not, pitching so cold, but just for... You know, safety. I do it anyways. What do you guys think about pitching so? Did you say forty? Usually the fridge gets it to forty-five. Forty-five. Okay. What do you guys think about pitching that cold? Well, you mean to let it free rise. So um, that's that's just as uh, you know, cool in temperature. Okay. Uh, it's, really, it's where you let it go to when the yeast you know start to wake up and see where they're at. That matters. So he's he's basically forty-seven. Okay, which I think is, it's, which is you know a little cool. I think it, it can depend on the hop. I, mean, yeah, on, on I would the definitely yeast. have a really good yeast pitch at that cold temperature. Okay, I think of that it's fine to pitch at that temperature if you let it rise up to a more standard lager temperature, or free rise up to that. Okay, and he's doing he's you know after a week he's which he did yeah. Nice. By the way, I do the same. Th- I had to do the same thing where uh, I had to let my wort sit overnight to pitch to get yeah. it down to temperature because I didn't want to pitch warm and. I used to be terrified about that early on in the show, but lately everybody tells me don't worry about it. That's fine. What do you think? So I've gone back and forth between that, uh, mostly uh, in the summer when it's hard to get to that temperature. Yeah, yeah. So I can, you know, my chiller is a Blickman uh, yeah, Therminator. That's what it, I have too, yeah. yeah. So it gets it down, it might get it down to mid to low 60s, and then I've got to put it in the fridge for a few hours, and I, I try to brew early enough in the day so that it'll hit fermentation temp before i go to bed and I okay can pitch yeah if i brew later in the day i might have to wait till the morning right um but i try to pitch at either 50 or 48 on lagers but sometimes it's 10 o'clock at night and yeah it's 53 and a half or something like that and i just pitch you'd rather pitch then than wait overnight for a couple degrees yeah i think it's gonna, the, before the yeast is really acclimated okay uh, a few degrees it hasn't seemed to matter in the results but okay um, you know i could be wrong Christian, a pro brewer would never wait overnight to, no. to pitch. Although you don't have to, do you? You can no, get the we, beer down with the yep, equipment. We have cooling yeah. jackets. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I I brewed with a on my homebrew kit with a pro brewer. Um, it was when we were doing our pale ale DVD, and I couldn't get the yeast down 
uh, or sorry, the, the work down to pitching temp with Matt Brennelson. And I said, we're going to wait overnight. And he refused. He absolutely would not let me. He said, the, the hell we are. We're pitching. I don't care that it's warmer. And he had us go ahead and pitch warm and then just keep dropping the temp overnight. Yeah. And he absolutely refused to let me wait overnight. Yet when I talked to a lot of home brewers, they're like, no, it's, it's fine. And, and my beer comes out. You know, my sports beer came out okay. No infection, right? Yeah, it was fine. Right. It also um, didn't win. It also did not win. <laughs> Should have, and Matt uh, wins. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. If you didn't do a good job of sanitation uh, the day you brewed, you're still going to have the same problem the next morning. So, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you're giving the yeast a little bit of a head start, but the bacteria, they'll catch up really quick. They're, they're, they're fast. No matter what. That's a good point. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the beer. We've all tried the beer here. And uh, Jeremy, you want to? Uh, Jeremy's a BJCP judge, by the way, uh, not just a pro am brewer here. So, what do you think? So, I, I enjoyed the beer. It's um, it's got a, a nice dry finish. Um, it does have a little touch of caramel in the front, which is probably okay. Um, it's got some esters, which is um, gives it a little bit of an ale character. Um, if you're shooting for pure sort of Schwarz beer style, you probably don't want to have those esters. You probably want to lager it a little more or or uh, maybe it's a fermentation temperature situation i'm not sure how those esters end up there but uh, it's possible also that those are from the the munich malt as well oh really munich malt can give you a sort of raisiny character mm-hmm. okay uh, so it could be that um but there's a little bit of estery character there that is either munich malt or fermentation derived I got that in the aroma specifically that it is a little ale like right. estery, which can be nice if that's. Um, it depends what you're shooting for, and it sounds like um, he's done pretty well in competition with this. So yeah, um, um, maybe not with this particular batch. It sounds like you brewed this again. Um, so um, that's something that it, it, it depends on where it's derived from. If it's from malt, it's probably not going to drop out. If it's something that um, lagering might take care of, maybe it'll drop out a bit. If it's a fermentation temperature issue, it also might not drop out. Um, had a slight alcohol warming, uh, and like I said, that raisiny character came through a bit, mm-hmm. which is um, a little atypical for a, a Schwarz beer, but um, still a nice, um, tasty beer, even if not, you know, right in the middle of the style. Okay. Hey, Brent, when did you brew it? I brewed it in July. Okay, so could the age maybe be contributing that raisiny character? It's possible. Um, it depends on the amount of oxidation you picked up in the brewing process, right? So if you flushed your keg with CO2 or, or that kind of thing... Um, it, it's unlikely that you're going to pick it up that quickly, but um, depending on on how the the transfer process went, and going from your uh, fermenter to your keg or wherever you put it, and then bottling, um, you could pick up that over time. Is it is it fair to say you should uh, the fresher the better for this style? Uh, no, I think because it's a lager, brewing it in July is is perfect. I mean, Christian and I brewed our beer at the end of July. Um, so lagers a couple of months in, you know, Christian and our beer, I, our beer is, uh, I think kind of hitting stride right now. Mm-hmm. So it takes a couple of months. Yeah. You want a couple of months with a, a lager to really get that clean lager character. Um, so, uh, but it is possible to pick up oxidation if, depending on process, um, that could show a little bit earlier. It just really depends on the process. A lager literally means, this is always my favorite fun fact because I don't have many of them, literally means to, to store cold. And it's meant to be, it means to sit in a cave cold for a bit of time before it, before it was served. And it, and it got better during that time. Right. Uh, so a little bit of age is, is great. My suspicion on this beer is that it's probably, it could be the Munich malt. Okay. Yeah, pretty, high, pretty high percentage of Munich. Um, and, and so that raisiny character can come through sometimes with that. Okay. Christian? I, oh, sorry. I did, go not, ahead. Get, I did not get that. 
flavor before, but I used 2206 as the uh, the yeast on it, and the Munich was a little less, so I don't know. Unfortunately, I changed two things at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's going to say if you change two, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Well, is twenty two oh six the the is that a what what kind of yeast is that? That's the uh, Bavarian lager yeast from okay. Y yeast. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chris. Uh, yeah, Christian, what do you think of the beer? I like it. Yeah. It's 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 right there. Um, it's a Schwartz beer for sure. Yeah, I w- <laughs> I would say that's a little on the the lighter on the the lighter end on the color, mm-hmm. um, but I do definitely pick up uh, the esters. But it's it's really super clean. It's it has nice. a thinner body than yeah. yours, but not thin like the Kostritz or not right. like I. Uh, yeah, uh, right. It's it actually it. I, I feel like it's wonderful in in, in mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be more to style than ours. <laughs> maybe so, right? Right. Um, on mouthfeel. Yeah, on mouthfeel. Uh, tasty. Well, I definitely agree that the Munich uh, character um, is sort of driving the beer, uh, and it, I think it could use some more roast character. I think. Uh, Definitely could use, you know, the color that would be associated with that, and also the flavor. I think more importantly, the flavor of the uh, just a little bit more roast to add slight astringency in the finish. This, this beer almost finishes, you know, too uh, too much more like an American dark lager kind of character. So would he do that with? Uh, so there's three ounces of roasted barley, um, yeah. three ounces of, of uh, carafa as well. Just up the roasted barley a little bit. You get the color and the okay. roast character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Doc? Uh, not to cut in. But That's okay. Yeah, go ahead, Brent. I, I actually just entered this in the contest. Mm-hmm. And again, I live in Ohio. And I got hammered for too much black patent. <laughs> really? <laughs> too much, too much huh. astringency. No, it's no. not. It's not, not, not astringency at all, is it? No, not, not at all. Not what we got. Yeah. So I should move to California. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, send enter competitions out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would do well in competition. This I think year. it would. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a cleanly made beer. Yeah. Uh, well, just that right behind Jeremy's beer. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, what Tasty was saying was uh, more, more roastiness. Uh, I think the raisiny characteristic is fighting that. So okay. It, you, one one direction is to cut down on the raisiny, caramely sweetness. Cut down your caramel malt. Cut down the proportion of your uh, Munich malt. Mm-hmm. And. Do that first, and then see how the roastiness comes out. Okay. Because I think they're, the two are fighting each other. We're not getting enough of the roastiness because it's hiding behind mm-hmm. uh, that, that raisiny kind of taste. It's, it's good for what it is, but if you want to change it towards what Tasty was saying, yeah, that's kind of what you want to do. Uh, color-wise, it's still within the realm of a, of a Schwartz beer. It's on the lighter side. Yeah, Tasty said it could be a little ruby, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that's so, legal. So one trick I do is I take either all or some of the carafa and I run it through a coffee mill. Okay. So it's powder. And that goes in the top of the of the mash at the end or near the end. As I'm recircling it, you get a lot of color and you don't get a lot of roast or you don't get a lot of that burnt character to it. Because it's not mixing all through the mash. Right, and it's, it's near the end and you and you got more surface area and that color just just rolls right through. That's something I should mention as well is when I did my my homebrew process, I followed this sort of uh, Gordon Strong method of doing that where you put in the, the black malts, the darker malts at the end of the process after you've mashed. Okay. Right. So you mash everything else first and at the very end you put in the roasted malts and you stir them in, and then you just run off right then, so they're not sitting for the full hour. Got it. Um, that's on Christian's commercial system. He doesn't have the cap- You know, that's not the way they do their their single infusions there. So, um, 
when I first tasted the the commercial version, one difference between that and the homebrew version was a little bit more um, oomph to the uh, roast character. Okay, and I think that's partially because of the fact that um, I follow that process in the in the in the mash on the homebrew scale. Got it. All right, Brent. Well, thank you for sending in the beer. I appreciate it. I hope we gave you some good feedback. Yeah, definitely. It's good stuff. Thanks, man. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, we are all running out of time. I do want to mention, if I can just point out, I don't know if we can get this on camera at all. My um, Schwartz beer uh, from Jeremy here has been sitting here the whole show. All right, it still has a wonderful chocolatey head on it. the The carbonation is great. The head retention is incredible, uh, the, and the, now the temperature of the beer is actually just right, so it's even better than it was at the start of the show. That's all, Christian. Look at that! How could that, we've been doing the show for sixty minutes now? And look at it! Look at that! It's amazing. That looks great. What uh, different malts add head retention too? Right? Is there did, was there any little trick we didn't talk about, or that's just caramel malts can do that? Okay. All right. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's all available in the base, though. It oh, is? Yeah. Okay. I'm just amazed by that. It looks fantastic. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for coming in and uh, doing the show. Christian, a wonderful beer. Jeremy, congrats on getting to do it and go to JBF, of course. Um, thanks for being in here, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Jamil will be back next time, I assume, unless he's got a, a bowler or something. I don't know what's happening over there. <laughs> really. I'm sure it's just a hangover. Uh, he'll be back next time. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsor, Northern Brewer, and all of our wonderful sponsors who help us out. Our guest today, Christian Kazakoff from Iron Springs, which is making wonderful beer right now. Uh, and thanks to Moscow for rocking this show. Tasty, we'll see you next time, eh? I'll be here. Cheers. <laughs>